So hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Public Service Psychology Now, Division 18's podcast series to keep our members abreast of our division activities. We're your hosts, Jen Snyder and Tiffany Fennell. And in this episode, we continue our 75th anniversary special series in which we speak with former presidents of Division 18. And today we're speaking with Dr. Rodney Baker, president of Division 18 from 1989 to 1990. Dr. Baker is a retired chief of psychology and mental health service line director from the South Texas Veterans Healthcare System in San Antonio. He's highly respected in Division 18. Not only is he a past president of the division, but in 2010, he received our division's highest honor, the Harold M. Hildreth Award for Distinguished Public Service. Dr. Baker is also the recipient of the 2017 American Psychological Foundation Gold Medal Award for Life Achievement in the Practice of Psychology. He has edited and co-edited several books and chapters on VA psychology history and has also chronicled the history of Division 18 through published articles. And on August 4th at 3 p.m. Eastern, he will be sharing our story over a webinar. So welcome, Dr. Baker. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Uh, thank you, Tiffany. Well, let's just dive on in. First off, um, I want to do kind of like a where are they now? So tell us what are you doing presently? You've had a really long and rich career, and what are you up to these days? Okay. Um, well, as, as uh, you've told the listeners, uh, uh, did require did retire as a chief psychologist. That was in 2004. So right now, um, I am exercising the delightful privilege of doing whatever interests me, and I have many interests that keep me busy. At, at first, I did some leadership consultation and workshop training, as well as some VA and Division 18 history writing, as you mentioned. Ten years ago, I published my first novel, uh, something I've always wanted to do but never had time for. And I have seven novels being sold on Amazon, and I'm working on an eighth. I also have another author page on the Amazon book website, and I have my own writer's website talking about my books and writing career. Uh, and a colleague and I are also completing an edited book on retirement stories of psychologists that we hope will be coming out this summer. So those are some of the things that I've been doing. Oh, wow. I love it. And those books that you write, are, are those psychology or history related or, or fiction or? Um, no, the no, other? No, they're, they're all fiction. Oh, wow. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> the first two I did, though, were kind of historical fiction. I just couldn't quite get away from history mm -hmm. uh, and told the story about a 16-year-old daughter of this man and on a farm in ninth century Norway. And uh, of course, it was expected that she'd become a, a farmer's daughter and get married and whatever. But she wanted to be a rune master. So I take that book in the next one. And she and her brother, who's a explorer, go out and do all sorts of things. But I always like to try something different. So then I did three books on a what I call the Professor Bookman. Uh, who was a college English teacher who said, who always seemed to be getting into trouble by volunteering to work for the FBI or Homeland Security. <laughs> okay. And then uh, I'm an avid reader of science fiction. So my last, uh, my last two books have been on science fiction and I'm doing a third sequel on that. So I just keep 
he picks it up. Oh, I love it. Oh, wow. That's so cool um, that you've yeah, moved into, you know, writing and, and uh, in, in different genres, too. Yeah, yeah. No, that, 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 that's fun. Oh, that's awesome. Well, um, I guess let's talk about your, your presidency in Division 18. And specifically, um, you know, kind of your initiatives during the time and, and uh, achievements, lessons learned. But maybe first, give us some context. What was going on through around the time of your presidential term? Well, when, when I became president in 1989, the division really, division really had two issues that it was kind of struggling with. The first one was um, uh, kind of a period in APA with the rapid growth and influence of private practice members and the activity of the newly created practice division that was there to promote the interests of practitioners. Now, although the private practice members were involved in several uh, important practitioner activity, our division members also wanted to be involved in and benefit from that advocacy. But at that time, uh, private practice members did not consider division members as practitioners because the division uh, public service of uh, division members um, were employed in federal, state, and city programs. We were not considered real practitioners and had difficulty in getting APA to include our practitioner issues that we were having in institutional work. The second issue uh, was that the division itself was kind of losing identity cohesiveness, what that, kind of what I decided to call it, in terms of, of interactions between the, the sections. I mean, in, in, 18, in 1899, 18, 1989, I'll, I'll get it right, if not that old, uh, we had five sections. Um, but, you know, they barely knew anything about one another. They barely did anything with one another. And I think one of the things that um, kind of kind of came out of that uh, is an appreciation. Well, it's, it's part of this thing why we can't get involved as practitioners because they don't see us as useful and helpful advocates you know, if we're not really doing anything. So we, we kind of turned that around and, and kind of said, look, what we probably need to do is to get that cohesiveness going. We need to have a purpose. We need to have an identity. And let's take care of that. And then maybe that will partially help with the other one. So that's kind of where we, uh, uh, that's kind of where we uh, were, that's kind of where we were in 1989. Well, that makes a lot of um sense in some ways, or at least I'm seeing also some similarities even today where personally I feel like our division is, you know, splintered in different interest groups. And, um, you know, I, I have personally had this desire to help kind of unify us or bring us, you know, together on some of our common interests, you know, based on our common values. And um, so interesting that this was an issue during, you know, some decades ago as well. Well, um, so thank you for providing some of that context and some of those issues that were really, um, you know, really prominent uh, around then. 
So what, um, I guess, what were some of your initiatives or what were some of your um, accomplishments, you know, that you were most proud of that year? Um, okay, well, in, in 1989, when I became president-elect, Pat Bodwins was the president of the division. And he and I had already been aware of and been talking about some of these, uh, these kinds of issues. Uh, I had noticed the, uh, the kind of alienation with private practice uh, practitioners mm -hmm. in my work in the VA, because uh, I wasn't a, a real practitioner in the VA either. either. <laughs> we were treating patients. As, uh, and and so and Pat also being a, a VA chief at the time had some uh, also appreciation of that. We decided that we really needed to develop a strategic plan, um, and something that the division had not done before. Uh, the division has done that twice more now, most recently in 2019. Uh, mm -hmm. But we could not find any record in history of any of a, of a previous strategic plan activity amongst the, the in, in, within the division. Um, I think in part, my other thought about that at the time uh, is that divisions were relatively new in 1890. We, we, were, we started creating divisions only in, uh, uh, in, in the uh, 1975. So that was the first time we ever had a division. And then it was 1985 when uh, the fifth one that came out, the Community and State Hospital Psychologist Division. So we, me, we were really at all. Oh, Dr. Baker, I'm just going to interrupt really briefly. And by the divisions, I think you're meaning the sections, um, kind I'm of sorry, starting from about in 1975. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I the, think the, we all the of course, was created in 1946. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it, was, it wasn't until the 70s in which we started creating sections within the division. Right. Thank, you, thank you for helping me clarify that. And anyway, um, so we decided, along with the, the other divisions, we uh, the, others, <laughs> the other officers, I'll get it right, mm -hmm. including the section chiefs, to work together on a division plan, a strategic plan. And uh, so we, we published the first strategic division plan in 1990. And if, in essence, what our strategic plan was at that time is that it really became a document kind of proposing an advocacy agenda for our clients and our profession, the content of which would be the, having each one of the sections prepare resolutions that our council representative could present to APA council promoting the welfare and benefit of, you know, our clients and, and, and the psychologists that work with them. Um, the other thing is that, um, it's, it's, it's that as, as president later that year, 1990, when I took office in, in the fall, my responsibility then had to be uh, to push our that advocacy agenda, making sure that all the sections were preparing those council resolutions, getting them ready to submit to council, et cetera. Well, uh, it, it takes a little while to prepare, you know, to get together on that sort of thing. So, uh, but by, by, the, by 1991, so only a year after we've actually published this, uh, two division 18 resolutions were, were passed in council. 
supporting. One was supporting shelter for homeless people, and the other addressed the needs of persons with serious and persistent mental illness. Now, it can also be noted that uh, the work of that um, that that um, uh, that later serious mentally ill task group is what it became to be called uh, led council into in 1994 uh, to actually approve a division resolution to fund a task group to make specific sure. recommendations. Now, now you, if you're familiar at all with council, now you know now that they're going to spend money, that you know you've accomplished something. <laughs> Wow. Um, and not only that, uh, but the success of that task group eventually led to the establishment of an APA standing committee on serious mental illness. So uh, we had quite a we had quite an impact on on our clients. Uh, we think we made an impact at showing that we could be pretty good advocates. Uh, we were talking about important issues that the entire council was willing to. So that softened the. Um, uh, the, the strained relationships we had with the private practitioners at that point, uh, things did get things did get a little better, and 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 I'll just also mention out of that whole major strategic um, plan that we came up with in 1995, we had three more council resolutions that were passed. Um, one addressed the prevention of domestic abuse, another focused on preventing workplace violence. And the third addressed the needs of persons with mental orders in the nation's jails and prisons. Hmm. Now, on top of all of that, and, and I'm not going to lay claim to this. I, I helped put it into helped put it into place. But people were kind of saying, you know, I don't know if I really knew. I mean, as I hear this section talking about this major issue for their constituency. Says, Gee, I think I got something a little similar to that in mind. And all of a sudden, they, they just kind of said, you know, I don't even know if I really know that much about the other sections. I know my section and what it's doing and what its issues are, but, but I don't really know what the... Well, one of the things we did, I think it was in 1990... It was also in 1990, as we were kind of finishing up our strategic plan, people were starting to think, well think this way about one another in the other section. So one of the things that uh, the we suggested to the APA convention planning uh, uh, group <laughs> you know, that, that, that accepts the, uh, the proposals for revision uh, workshops and whatever, says we are going to have one symposium and we'll pick an issue and the members of the symposium will be one person from each of the five sections chosen by those people, chosen by their section to represent their thoughts and interests and ideas and problems and issues on the main topic that was going to be chosen. And at this point, we, didn't, we hadn't even, we hadn't, I mean, we were, we were proposing the concept. We didn't even know what we were going to talk about. You know, at this point, and you, you know, I I have to admit I cannot remember what the topic was for that first one. I I know I got someplace in my in all my files someplace that was immaterial. What we talked about was far less important than the fact that we were each talking about the same topic from the perspective mm -hmm. of our constituency. 
Uh, I think we did one of those in every convention for about another four or five years. And, and then it just kind of trailed off or I don't know, I lost count or whatever. Um, oh, I love that. But that, that was also, but that was also important. Um, yes. In addition, so, I mean, it wasn't just the council resolutions. We, we were kind of doing a, uh, preparing the, the preparing our strategic plan kind of just got us sensitized to what was going on. And the byproduct was, you know, some of this other stuff that made us start thinking more as a more as a division. And we've had this our our whole reason to be in in the as a division as a as a uh, APA division is that we work with those marginalized, underserved populations. Who, who other people aren't really serving or can't serve as well as we might be able to. Um, and somewhere, I mean, that's how we got started. That's that's what division, you know, the division was all about. And somehow we just kept, kept drifting apart. That's the other way I could, you know, the only you know, some way I can really describe it. And and describe and decided well that wasn't good. We were probably suffering in more ways than one because of it. And certainly not doing ourselves any any good as an identity as our identity any good uh, as mm -hmm. as a division. Um, I'll just mention one other thing that just kind of and, and I've talked with some of the police and community people about this, and none of them know where the idea got started. But I'm suspicious because it got started at the time we were going through this examination. <laughs> You know, and every every section was supposed to come up with some um, proposal to benefit its um, uh, benefits its constituency that we were kind of talking about in terms of resolutions to council. In 1990, what the police and community at first it was called police and community psychology, then just changed it to police section. Um, okay. What they came up with is that is that they were going to do a a one day pre APA convention seminar symposium something like that it would be all day, and they were to not only invite themselves and anyone else from APA, but the the if they were in San Francisco, every law enforcement person psychologist in San Francisco, whether you're a member of APA or the section or not, was invited to attend APA, not, not APA credit, CE credit. Um, that move, I mean, if you talk about benefiting their constituency by, by expanding the people that work with that constituency and, you know, common kind of thinking and stuff, and that that has still continued every year since 1990. The day yes, before yes. the convention starts, the police has, in whatever community they're in, has the uh, has this seminar for CE advertised to any police officer, you know, um, and, and I'm not I'm not any any law enforcement officer I think uh, to come join us for APA credit. Now that did more for the constituency of the community of police psychologists than than an APA resolution would do, probably. Um, so we, there was a it was an exciting time, and as I said, I'm 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 not going to claim 
responsibility. I'm going to say that's not my achievement, but I was part of that. I was, I was very proud uh, of what the uh, what the division was doing at that time. Yeah, it's just remarkable, just the, the level of impact when you have this kind of common focus, like the strategic plan um, and the, this goal in mind to make an impact at the, you know, the larger organizational level uh, with yeah. these proposals, these resolutions, and, and wow, just um, so much, I mean, in, in, on very important issues, domestic violence, workplace violence, SMI, and I think the legacy from, yeah. from you know, with our now our SMI specialty and you know, establishing um, a board certification, I mean, just from probably those efforts from around, you know, your presidential term. I, I get it. I get it. I'll tell you another. I'll tell you another story, Tiffany. Mm -hmm. um, the nineteen ninety convention was in San Francisco. Uh, okay. That's when I took over. I mean, you, you become president at the end of the, of the at the end of the convention previously, so that the old convention is over. So, yes. in nineteen ninety, when I'm president, um, I made a commitment on myself because I wasn't sure I really knew what the devil was going on in all of the sections either. So I said, I'm going to make sure I attend as new president this year, the first section, a uh, business meeting for each one of the sections. Let them see me. I can hear what they're talking about. That would be good. Plan was perfect because none of them overlapped, which was one of the things I was worried about. Um, and so I was, I, was, I was five minutes late getting to the police and community psychology section meeting. And I'm getting ready to, I, I open the door and straighten my tie and everything. And I kind of walk in, sit in the back. And I, I don't know anybody in there. So I don't know anybody in any of their members. I, I think I recognized the president, but he was, he was doing something. Um, and as soon as I got in there, someone was up at the front and they were talking. Now, for those of you who are carrying guns, I, and, you know, all of a sudden I stood up and I said, am I in the wrong place? You know, I walked back out, checked the door, you know, the right place. And, and then I came back in and then they started, started talking about the, you know, what they were going to do in division or what was happening in the division and everything. But, you know, it's, it's that, it, it's there, that was kind of an aha experience. You know, I, I knew VA, nobody could tell me anything new about the VA. I knew some things about, um, uh, state, uh, state, and uh, state hospitals and community mental health centers is we'd had as a VA some interaction, you know, some of those things. Uh, I had a basic idea about from the program evaluation section because I had good friends that were also over in there, but I really didn't know much about well, police psychology. You know what? It, what? What are you doing here? And I just that was my introduction to some of the things they do. And I said, well, yeah, it makes sense. And some of them got to be official police officers and carrying weapons. And if you are so designated, you must wear your, you know, must wear your gun all the time. But it is, um, if you just kind of think of the diversity of the patients that we treat, uh, yes. it's an amazing feat, uh, just an amazing kind of feat that, that's uh, really hard for me to appreciate. Um, if, if, you know, I was, I was in that kind of position and, and working with, uh, we, the, I, I was working pretty closely with the section leaders 
uh, and chairs at those in those two three years. Um, so and I was also fortunate to be the council rep for six years after that, <laughs> so I could kind of keep working with them as we were developing all of these. Uh, and again, that's I have I claim no. Uh, just simply because I was on council, they were giving me the work of their, of their, I didn't have anything else to do. I said, well, there it is. And, you know, let me know if you've got questions. But the, 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 the council resolutions almost sold themselves. Uh, they were kind of self-explanatory. Uh, people were becoming more and more issue, uh, more and more interested and knowledgeable about domestic violence and, and, and uh, the homeless shelters and and all of the rest of the problems in society uh, that we as as civil service, uh, civil service and public servants, um, you know, treat. So we, that, that's an important, um, we, we do and are something unique and I'm proud of it. <laughs> I agree. Um, I hadn't really thought about it in, in, those, in those same ways, but the people we serve, whether it's, you know, you know, patients or consumer, you know, or or the people that we serve, you know, who serve them, um, it yes, the the incredible diversity and just the reach. I mean, we just we real facets, you know, of society. If you think about it, um, I it's it it's. You know, kind of going back to that earlier uh, issue that you faced, um, it not being seen as practitioners, you know, real practitioners. It's like, how, why, how could you not see that? But anyway. Well, I mean, uh, the issue at that time um, was we probably had not a good, good enough job of really showing that we had some of the same practitioner issues. I mean, in private practice, mm -hmm. private practice, you had to worry about, um, 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 I'm blocking on the label now. If you want to do practice in a hospital, you have to be kind of certified. And privileges or yeah, privileges, privileges, yeah, privileges and bylaws and all that sort of stuff. We're, yeah. we're very important. Those were, those were barriers to them even well, practicing. They were going to have access to insurance benefits. They're going to have access. Yeah. Um, you know, and then but it took a while. Well, we said, but but. We're doing all of that too, you know. And the psychologists at the time in the VA were trying to get, uh, uh, we were trying to get the privileges, trying to get members of the of the of the uh, uh, the public, the the, the staff. <laughs> I got lucky on that term. But we started talking. We started saying something. We said. What, 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 you, 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 and they were almost stuttering, you you got the same problems in a VA hospital or, or in a, in a, yeah, and so they said, oh, I can see what you mean now, it really doesn't matter if, if, if uh, we're getting paid by the public or the, or the institution, we're struggling with the same professional credentials, and again, it was, um, it was something very important for the, the private practitioners, um, they were trying to establish their livelihood, and uh, we were trying to establish our continuing practice. Uh, mm -hmm. But the, uh, but the issues were were the same, and it and it, it didn't take that much time, you know. Once we started talking with one another, 
I mean, as soon as you stop talking, as soon as you kind of say, you, you got to have that thing. As soon as someone says, why in the devil would anyone ever think that way? That's a good time to sit down and find out. Have a conversation. And I think it's an especially important question in public service because, uh, I mean, today, heaven knows it's difficult to understand what's going on and how to how to deal with some of the problems our society is facing and the, you know, some of the political junk that's going on on both parties. I mean, this is not a partisan, a partisan argument. We're just not talking or listening to one another. So it's so true. Anyway, anyway, I get off get off my soapbox. Get off the soapbox, right? Okay. <laughs> well, it's so it's it's really um it's really helpful to have those perspective that perspective though that historical context and um well I'm I'm curious as as far as leadership is concerned because it sounds like you went on to do some leadership consult uh, consulting but as a as a leader yourself what sort of I guess lessons did you learn about leadership about yourself as a leader. Um, from your experience as Division 18 president? Um, well, let, let me put it this way. I, um, in, in 1990, when I was elected to, to the president, I had already been in VA leadership roles as a chief of psychology and been a president of the uh, National Association of VA Chiefs of Psychology. So I had had a fair amount of experience in working with organizations and people and, and that kind of leadership. So, I, so I'm not going to say that I learned a heck of a lot more in, in my leadership roles in, in the division, but I am saying that what I learned previously as a leader was reinforced by what I was doing in the division also. I mean, there's, mm -hmm. there's just something very, um, you know, one of the things I learned very early on from a leadership mentor, um, he says, always keep your eye on what needs to be done and do what needs to be done. It, it, it was a very simple, simple thing. But, but and, and I said, well, yeah, that sound, kind of sounds simple. He says, no, it's not. He says, there are also all sorts of reasons for why you don't do what you need to do. Um, you know, all sorts of reasons you can give yourself for not doing what is right. But... I, you got to know what it is the job is and what you're trying to accomplish. And then you just go after it. And that's the site. And that's the vision that, that you keep in front of you. And don't let anything. And when I think about it, uh, as I've studied leadership, um, and, and, you know, I've, I've had some leaders uh, write their leadership stories in, in some of my edited books. I don't think any one of those that we would consider, and my mentors, in my opinion, they don't go after titles and they don't go after um, awards and all that sort of stuff. In fact, you're going to find most of them. And I, I find myself in to say, when, when people say, gee, all these great things that you've done um, and, and put me up on some kind of stupid pedestal, it, it makes me very uncomfortable because I don't feel I'm doing anything special. But what I am doing is doing what needs to be done. Hmm. And if you do what needs to be done, people are going to appreciate it. You're going to be successful and you don't have to worry about anything else. But I don't think good leaders really are thinking that they do anything special. They just get things done that need to be done. So that's my definition of a good leader. 
that's something that, that I practice most of my leadership years. And it's, I, I don't think being that way in the VA is any less or more effective than being the same way as a division president. <laughs> that's a good quote. Do what needs to be done. Um, well, let's see, as we kind of round out this interview, you know, I'm, I'm kind of looking at my, my presidency coming up here this next year. And uh, so I, I guess I have personally best invested in this, this next question, but any advice aside from what you just said about um, do what needs to be done, any, I guess, advice for um, current or aspiring leaders? And uh, yeah, who are people who wanna serve in division 18 leadership? Well, I think it's, it's um, I'm not sure if it's uh, the chicken or the egg uh, simulation that comes first. I think volunteering just to work on committees, uh, and do some things that are needed, <laughs> you know, is when you start figuring out, is this something I really want to get involved in? So just starting out slowly and seeing what the division really is trying to do and what it's trying to accomplish. Um, those are the people that decide to run for president at some point. They don't just say one morning, well, I guess I'm going to run for Division 18 because I want that on my veto. Um, they, they've been involved. I, mean, I, I don't know anyone who hasn't had some involvement to see what we're doing and making this, been answering that question. Yeah, I want to be part of that. So... Which one comes first? I don't know. <laughs> I kind of start start somewhere. Start in serving on committees or or taking on maybe smaller yeah. leadership roles and, and yeah. yeah yeah getting more involved. Okay, well let's see. Final question: What do you see for the future of Division Eighteen? What would you like to see for? Well, yeah, I don't know. The, um, my entire career, you know, people say, well, you know, what's the future of the VA or what's this future of this and what's the future of that? And I have to say my, my crystal ball has been very cloudy lately. And, <laughs> you yeah, know, it's kind right. of like, um, um, it, 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 maybe it's just another way of saying what leadership is all about. Um, and, and in fact, I, I, I started off talking about the uh, the division plan that we came up, strategic plan we came up in 1990. Um, in this last one for 2019, um, you know, that was in the uh, uh, newsletter. Um, I, I like to read our divisions. Um, strategic plans. I mean, I, I have some special interest in, in doing and consulting in, in strategic planning. And, and so what I'm going to say is my take on what is in that strategic plan that is so very important. And, and I'm not going to try to, I mean, it's a very long document, lots of very things, but there, there are two things in there. One, it talks about the background. And the first thing I mentioned, the first thing I see is that I, there's like five or six things about our background. The one that I like is that um, we, we are, it, the important thing about the division 
is that in public service, we work with understanding, I mean, the underserved and the marginalized community that may not be served elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Or some kind of wording like that. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. but, that, but, but that's what started our division. That's our reason that the vision that one of the vision statements in there was um, th- that we are champions of diversity. Really, I think of the I think of the diverse clients that we work with. We're champions of diversity and inclusion. We want to get those. We want to get those together, and by understanding and appreciating differences and different opinions and thoughts, to to live with different ideas, to live with, and not to see them as something bad. Um, you take that kind of background, you say that kind of vision, why wouldn't the future be great? Wow. <laughs> a great vision, a great future doesn't mean you're going to be getting your way all the time. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean everybody's going to be agreeing with you. But if we don't push that vision and that background, what the devil are we doing with Division 18 anyway? Wow, that's powerful. I want to just leave it there. Something (laughs) No, just really to just mull around in in our heads. And, um, but I also know I've, I've taken a lot of your time today, too, and you should probably wrap this up, but that's, that is going to linger on my mind today. I just, I know it. Um, so let's see, I guess um, I have a clunky way of wrapping things up. So Dr. Baker, thank you so much for, uh, to me, all, all these insights. Um, but especially just sharing it with us about your experience as a leader in Division 18 and, and, and also a lot of, just a lot of really good takeaways. Um, so I want to remind everybody that we have the pleasure of Dr. Baker giving us a history of our division um, later on this year on Wednesday, August 4th. So I think that's a week before for the convention, um, before our 75th birthday. Um, So that's Wednesday, August 4th at 3 p.m. Eastern. We'll be giving us um, um, our history and over the webinar. So stay tuned, we'll have more information, you know, registration and all of that. Um, And um, and so, and we're speaking of history and we also will be kind of um, compiling some of um, materials that Dr. Baker and some others have contributed to over the years about our history on to our website so um, people can get some some flavors as well. So stay tuned for more information about that. And I guess we'll, we'll say everyone, thank you so much for listening. Thank you again, Dr. Baker, and everyone take care. Be safe. Okay. And good luck in your presidency next year. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I learned a lot from you and 
so I think that'll help a lot. Okay. Right. Bye, everybody. Good, good talking with you. Bye.